0: Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Hallelujah. make that noise louder for Jesus. I see a generation that loves Jesus. Come on, lift your voice if you love Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. I'm not going to cry. (laughs) But this gives me so much joy. That we still have people who are hungry for him. That are hungry for the truth. Oh, you guys have no idea. Pastor Shola, God bless you. The only reason, and God told me this many years ago, The only reason why the church will not go extinct is because we have a generation that is preserved, a generation that loves him. And what you're doing, or rather what God is doing through you, is not something that we should take for granted. I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing young people who are not in clubs tonight. Young people who are not hooked on drugs. Young people who are not idling away on social media. People taking away time to sit at the master's feet. And this gives me so much joy. Can we just lift our hands to heaven and love on this Jesus? Father, we're grateful. Even without a song, I need you to lift your voice tonight and say something to him. Because when the music fades and everything is stripped away, the only thing we have left is our intimacy with him. So open your mouth tonight, lift your voice, and let him know that you love him. Father, I am grateful. I am so grateful. And if my heart is filled with joy like this, Holy Spirit, I just wonder how you feel. I'm so grateful for this opportunity, oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We're here to learn of you. We're here to love on you. And my Father, my God, I ask of you one thing tonight. That everything you have for your people, I give you free reign. Speak as you will. Do what you will tonight. Hold nothing back. Lord, let there be answers. Let there be direction. But let there be grace to obey in the name of Jesus. If you love Jesus like I do, then celebrate him one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then please help me celebrate Reverend K and Pastor May. Without them, I wouldn't interestingly, when Reverend K reached out to me in May, I wasn't available. So when he told me May, I said, ah, sir. (laughs) But thank God, everything works according to his time and his purpose. Now, please help me celebrate yourselves as you take your seat tonight. God bless you. Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start from. Um, okay, let's start from Genesis, which is where Most times we'll start from, I will start from verse 18. As I walked in and I sat down, five minutes after I sat down, I sent a message to my PA. I said, the message has changed. And she just started laughing. (laughs) The Holy Spirit always does this to me. I will study, prepare, see the Greek and the Hebrew. (laughs) Then I'll come here and say, you go speak Pidgin. No Greek and no Hebrew. (laughs) Praise God. Okay, let's start from Genesis 2, the first gathering. From verse 28, I'm going to skip and just run to verse 28. I'm reading the easy version. He says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for this man to live alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. It says, The Lord God took soil from the ground and he made all the animals and the birds. And then he brought them to the man. God wanted to know what the names the man would call them. And whatever the man called each living thing, that became its name. So the man gave names to the livestock, to the birds of the air, to all the other animals. But none of these animals was the right helper for the man. So the Lord God caused the man to sleep. And while the man was sleeping, you must understand that this man did not sleep because he was tired. said God put him to sleep. And it says, God took a rib from this man and then he closed up the place and he covered it again with skin. Then the Lord God took a rib out of the man and he used it to make a woman. And he took the woman to the man to see, for the man to see her. And the man said, at last, this is someone who is right for me. She has bones that are taken from my bones. Her body comes from my body and I will call her woman because God used me A man to make her. And it says, because of this, when a man marries, he leaves his father and his mother. Instead, God joins the man and his wife together, and the two become like one body. The man and his wife did not wear any clothes, but they were not ashamed. Praise God. Tonight, I just want to share a couple of things on my heart. And I'm very glad that I walked in when your pastor was preaching because it kind of gave me confidence to flow as I would and not be afraid that I will not be invited back. Sadly, in this generation, we have made a mess of marriage. And every time I read Genesis 2, I see such a beautiful thing that God had planned out such a beautiful thing that he made man and he blessed this man and he gave this man an assignment. But after a while, God said, it's not good for this man to be like this. This man needs a helper, someone that is comparable to him, someone that is suitable and adaptable to his needs, someone that will not complain about his weaknesses, but will realize that her strength should cover for his weaknesses, someone that will teach him discipline. Someone that will teach him a deep desire to want intimacy with another human being. God came up with this amazing plan. But you see the thing about our God was that he did not force anybody on this man. The Bible says he went back to the soil where he created this man from. And he began to make animals. And he brought these animals to the man. And it was what this man called them that they became. Unfortunately, these days, we do not go to the world to be pastored. We live on social media. So, social media pastors us. Now, the problem with that is that social media did not create marriage. So, at best, what they can give you is an inferior image or an inferior interpretation of what they think marriage is supposed to be. So, it is from this point that you hear many misconceptions. Number one, you start to hear things like soulmates. There's only one person for you. And that is keeping a lot of people single today. Because a lot of people are looking for that one person that is the one. And listen, the Bible says that God made animals. He brought lion. It was what the man called him that it became. So, God will bring along your path many godly options. It is up to you to call them what they should be. So, God will send you this beautiful girl, and she's just your choir assistant. You will bring this fine boy, he's buff, he has everything, he's your cosmate. It is what you call them that they become. It's not everyone that comes into your life you should date just because the person is fine, just the person because the person is born again, somebody may be good, but are they good for you? Because I see all of that is so much these days and I tell people all the time. Now, I will quickly share my own story of how I God led me to my husband because let me tell you the truth. We will tell you compatibility and I'm really not going to waste your time with all of that tonight because I'm sure you will hear it in other places compatibility, personality, check your temperament, check if the person has purpose, check. Let me tell you, you can find all those things. But if the God factor is missing? There's no difference between you and the person who marries on the street. And God is not after ordinary marriages. God is so kingdom minded. If you understand God, you will understand that you can't just go and marry anybody. There's a series I'm watching now. I don't advise anybody to watch it, Shabbos. So because I do a lot of traveling these days, sometimes I just when I'm on a plane or something, I just need some time to not think. I don't want to be Pastor M. I don't want to be Mildred Seth. I just want to be an entity floating in space. <laughs> so I just need my mind not to work. So there's a series I'm watching, and it's about kingdoms. I'm not going to call the name I go and look for it. Go and read your Bible. Let me tell you why I don't encourage Netflix. Netflix is an enemy. Hey, this is Republic. I shouldn't be talking anyhow. Netflix is an enemy. You know that you will be on your own. You will decide that today you want to study the word. You will just receive an email. On your phone or on your wristwatch. Suggestions we think you will like. be you go tell me what you're gonna like. <laughs> I've decided I want to like the word of God today. They will not send you so that so I'm not going to tell you what the series is. So, anyhow, I was watching the series and something struck me yesterday. Or was it this week? They were talking about marriage. So they marry they marry for kingdoms. So you marry this kingdom to, for alliances and all of that. And then so one somebody was talking to the guy who was going to be king, the girl that was in love with him. So she said to him, That but I love you. And the guy said something. I mean, I took it another way because I used to interpret everything. The guy said something. He said, As a king, you don't marry just for love, you marry for God, for country, and for duty. Ah, I say, even believers understand this thing that when it comes to marriage, it's not just about you. It's not just about how you feel. It's not just about your emotions. An unbeliever said you marry first for God. Ah. And we are kings and we are priests. If anybody should understand this, we should understand it more than them. He said you'd marry for God, for country, and for duty. Not just for love. I meditated on this thing. Yesterday, you would think it's verse 1. I meditated on it. Because it occurred to me that the reason why we do not take marriage seriously is because we do not understand that it is one of God's greatest tools for evangelism. The reason why we don't do marriage well is because we don't understand that God sent marriage into our lives to make us mature in Christ. The real purpose for marriage, it is supposed to mirror your relationship with Christ and have you reflected to the person you choose to spend the rest of your life with. Now I'm going to share some hard things tonight. I'm not expecting you to even laugh or be happy or anything. But I hope that when I finish talking to you, you will go into the world and realize who you are, that you are a king and you don't marry just for love. You marry for God, for kingdom and for duty. So I will share with you how I met my own husband. how the God factor is so key. Because sometimes people make it seem as if the God factor is not important or it doesn't exist. And you must be careful because you can be sucked into that. You must be careful not to begin to think that you are just like anybody else. That's not how God operates. Can we please just rise to our feet and celebrate Reverend K. Come on, give honor to whom honor is due you, I know that you are not doing that forever and K. And we come down. Praise God. Can we celebrate Pastor May always looking as beautiful. Praise God. Praise God. May be seated. So we have taken 2 minutes is my time. Pastor Shirley take back. <laughs> So I was telling you how I met Pastor K, and how important the God factor is. See, God can even choose a good person for you, but in your bad character, you can lose the good person. But let's even start from how God picked for me. And I'm sharing this not to say that this is the only way God leads you to your spouse. But I'm sharing this so that you will have and desire such a deep intimacy with God that you are used to God leading you that you are comfortable and expectant that God will lead you in the way that you should go. Too many Christians are okay with struggling. Why do you think that God doesn't want to tell you everything you should do with your life? I was, I, when, I, when I got admission into university, I got into OAU. But I got into OAU. That's how we behave. We're everywhere. So I got into OAU and I got him for English, but I, my my dad wanted me to do law, so he was upset. So I was like, I had to do jump again after that first. While I was in year one, I should do jump, but this time do it to go to Unilag. And so calm yeah, down. You have not even at the end of the story. I shout. So <laughs> don't worry, everybody wins in this story. So I went to pray spend nights in sports center. And I prayed in tongues. And then one night, God said to me, stay in Ife, for here will your destiny be fulfilled. Now, it's not competition (laughs) now. Okay, but if, I mean, Unilag, if it makes you feel any better, I did my master's Unilag, so it's okay. (laughs) So, so from that point on, my point is this, from that point on, I realized that God is interested in even mundane things like which school you go to, what course you read. And let me tell you, I now understand why God sent me to Ife. Because it formed such deep spiritual roots in me. I, I began my deep and intentional work with God in Ife. I believe that at that time, if I had left Ife, I may not have gotten what God wanted me to get at that time. And I'm saying this because if God can be interested and invested in school, how much more the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. We're talking destiny here. We're talking assignment. And the reason why most of us treat marriage the way we do is because we think that marriage is the reward. Oh, I'm the the finest girl, that's why they married me. (laughs) Marriage is not a reward, it's an assignment. God is sending you into somebody's life to partner with that person, whether you are male or female. To get them to their, their destiny. So I was in a relationship. By the time I was leaving um, Ife, final year, they must receive you now. So they receive me. This generation, people don't understand receiving. Everyone can receive now. Did you not receive? Me? Yes, sir. <laughs> so I started the relationship. I left him in school because he was doing medicine. I left him in school. I graduated before him. So I I was serving everything so I mean we did long distance relationship and everything five years in those five years we broke up a couple of times but we came back together seven times but we came back together (laughs) and that's the testament of my loyalty and my discipline that I can stay on one thing for the rest of my life and keep doing it until God says don't do it again but anyhow so that relationship we continued, we did introduction because he was going to do his master's in the UK and I was doing my master's in Nigeria. So the plan was our parents should meet so when he finishes his master's one year, he will come back, we'll get married and then I'll go and join him. That was the plan. It was a good plan. Very good plan. The only thing, the only problem with that plan is that we are not God and it was not a God plan. Along the way, What I forgot to tell you was I had been diagnosed with PCOS, a medical condition, and that they had told me I would not be able to have children. So, meeting a doctor who lived in the UK was absolutely perfect. Because that meant that God had, in quotes, solved my problem. Remember, that's what Pastor Shola was talking about. Anybody can have peace. Peace is very easy. We can generate peace. As far as it is looking good. When I began to imagine how I would just go to the UK, and do, it, do IVF or something. And I don't know about the rest of you, but UK kind of look good on my skin. The weather, I'm going to be yellower. And then, pound sterling. It kind of looks very nice in the kind of handbags I carry. Mm. So I kind of had planned my life, that this is an easy life. And I'm not, I'm not called to suffer.
1: Yeah. I'm a Jesus
0: baby girl. Soft life. So. I literally had planned my life out. And then one morning, and this is where you must have intimacy with God. Forget all these things in the night when nobody's there. We take this off. And we are praying in tongues. Qatar is coming out. We don't care. We are covered in sweat. Any position, we can be flat on our face, head between our knees. We don't care. We come out and we package. But inside, we know that's where the real work so because i had learned how to hear god and i had learned how to walk with god and i had learned how to live my life in such a way that when he says jump, i only ask how high so i was there god said to me i want to speak to you i will never forget because it changed my life he said i want to speak to you and so i went back into my room and there was no light but i got on my knees and as i got on my knees to start to pray lights came back and i had this old cd player that once the light comes on, it's where it's stop playing that it will start from. And so it started from this Donnie McClurkin song that talks about that, yes, I will trust you Lord. And at the beginning of that song, he starts to ask, what if I ask you to let go of the very thing you hold so dear? And Donnie McClurkin says, yes, I will trust you Lord. And he was talking, I to so I was singing, I was even leaping I mean, sing past some Donnie, don't you not do rich like that now. I was singing. And after I finished worshipping, I closed, I, 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 I um, opened my Bible. And I began to read about the woman at the well. Where Jesus met this woman at the well. And he said to her, give me water. And the woman said, ah, you must be really thirsty for you to be asking me, a Samaritan, to give you a drew water. And Jesus said to her, if you know the person that is asking you for water, you would ask him for water. Because the water that I give, you will never thirst again. And being a sharp woman, she said, "Ah, please give me that water. Because me, I don't want to come back here and be fetching water. I won't pass here; they'll gossip me, I don't want. Just tell me. And then Jesus said something. He said, go and call your husband. And this woman said, I don't have any husband. And Jesus said, you rightfully said, because you've had five husbands, say, but the man that you are with is not your husband. And it looked like somebody used a highlighter pen and marked that line for me, that the man you are with is not your husband. After five years, after introduction, i say holy spirit rough play (laughs) the man that you are with is not a what i mean don't follow me play rough play where do i even start from and see what i didn't tell you is that he's yoruba and i had fought that battle if you know our parents i had fought that battle with them because their own was don't bring anybody that is yoruba here we love them but don't marry them and that's that generation because they fought the war you need to understand So after I had fought that battle and he had been accepted and beloved, then I now go back and tell them that. But see, let me tell you. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You see, don't play with marriage. (laughs) Don't play with marriage. Marriage will change the course of your destiny. I see too many people today people I knew when they were in Ife. I'm not surprised by the story Pastor Shola shared. A little leaven, <laughs> leavens the whole lung. You'll be amazed how evil communication can corrupt good manners. I have seen people, when we were on campus, they, uh, I, I was not fit to untie their shoelace. When we were on campus, when they enter a room, people are falling under the anointing. <laughs> Now, we don't know where they are. Because they married somebody that was a lead over them. And that made me understand why Jesus said, the the level of intimacy I'm trying to bring you into, you need to go and call your husband for it. I'm not going to allow you into this level of grace when I don't know the person that is standing over you. And so... I told God, I said, ah, but this guy is a good guy, he's a Christian, didn't do anything, why would we say we're not married? I started negotiating with the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, wait, you don't understand. See, let me explain to you. As some of us do it, see, you must, when it comes to your life, you must understand that first of all, the person that gave you the life knows what he wants to do with the life. Before you were even created, before you were born, he said, before, before you were born, I, formed, I knew you. Before they even formed you in your mother's room. say, said, I knew you. And he had a plan. He called you and sent you as a prophet to the nations. He knows what he wanted to do with you. So God didn't just decide, hey, what am I going to do today? Oh, I don't have work. Okay, let me create Shola. Maybe later on we can make him a pastor. No. He had a clear plan. Even before your parents met. So God can be telling you something and you'll be arguing with him. That's what I'm really hoping for this generation. The, this head knowledge is too much. We have too much head knowledge and no spiritual sense. God is talking, you are talking. God is saying, leave that place. You say, wait, Lord, you don't even understand. See, Lord, there's a way I will stand that will not fall. He's saying, I say, I'm the one that created the floor. I'm the one that created your leg. I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that created time. I'm telling you, leave that place now. There are girls that have gotten pregnant, destroyed the whole course of their lives, because they were negotiating with God, God said, "Don't go to his house today. I just want to collect his books, sir." God said, "Don't go there today." Say, "God is not; it's just his book. He's not my friend. It's just let me just take this book, nothing." God, you say, "I okay." When Jesus is there, he said, "Okay." I can't count the number of people whose destinies have been destroyed by marrying the wrong person, and so we started on this journey, and God said to me, ask this person that you're fighting for, that if you were a pastor, will he marry you? I'm giving you a very abridged version. I swear, so he called me. And I told God, you know what, because I, I, I didn't have the heart to end it. He didn't do anything to me. He was a great guy, romantic, everything. just a great guy, and we, went, we attended the same fellowship when we were in the So He was a great guy, nothing. And so we were in a conversation, and he said to me, I don't know why, I feel like I'm losing. You know what, let's just end this. As he just said that, let's end it. I just held it. That the Lord has redeemed me. I put it in my pocket. He called me back the next morning. And he doesn't know what came over him. I said, The only ghost overshadowed you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going back, sir. He was crying. I was crying. But let me tell you, even with tears running down your face, you better listen to God. He was there crying. I said, Me. <laughs> me too, I'm crying, sir. He said, Please. I said, You too, please. We are here, but God has said no. And then the Lord said, Ask him. So I asked him. I said, If I were a pastor would you marry me? He said, no. I said, wait, let me explain. Let me explain to you. I want to help you. <laughs> he said, no. And then he asked me, why do you want to be a pastor? Interestingly, at the time, I didn't think I was called to pastor. But God had a plan and God knew that I probably would be somewhere in the UK today, maybe happily married, but not fulfilling what God had planned for me. I can tell you for free that I wouldn't be here today. I can tell you that for free. But I said something to God. I said, The same way you told me who is not is the same way you tell me who it is. All. Now, I do not believe in fleecing. So please don't do that. This not, that's not what this story is about. Because now, after I've said this thing, now some people will send me a DM. that I, I put I ask God that if a person that wants to marry me we should wear red coats, everybody in choir will now wear red coats, that day. <laughs> <laughs> it will now be choir uniform. That's not what I'm talking about. I understand how God speaks to me. So I was very clear on the fact that if you tell me it's not someone, then you need to speak to me when it's the right person. And so along the line, Pastor Kay and I had become friends. went to the same secondary school, but we never spoke when we were in secondary school. We are classmates. Never spoke a word to each other. Because I was born again, I got born again as a teenager in, in, in secondary school. He was born against. It was all those kind of boys that used to carry pistols in school. They were doing bad, bad boys. So it's the kind of person that you know even God, you pray that God will not allow him to see you, so that he will not toast you, that he will not say no, that he will not be, you know? So our paths did not even cross. But when we came out of um, school, we now became friends. Um, I don't even want to drag you into all the details of the story because there are some other things I want to share with you tonight. And so one day I couldn't go to my church. I used to attend TPH at the time. Couldn't go to my church. So I decided, let me go. Oh, I am. Uh, King's church, church is even near here. Let me go and check. Let me even go and see if he's really a pastor. I'll be there. If he can, I'm safe. So I went there. And he was preaching. And I didn't even know he saw me. But the truth is that when you are here, that's how pastor knows you didn't come to church. He's standing here he can see you, people. So I didn't know he saw me. So after service, he came to say hello. And I was like, oh, that he'll take me home. But he has a few meetings, so I wait for him. So I was there. We had become friends by this time. So I was just, I was um, at the back somewhere, I think. And I was just praying and I just felt this very unusual presence of God. And if you're very close to God, you will know when he's trying to get your attention. Somehow everything else fades away. You just somehow feel enveloped in just you and him. You know, I don't know. There are times like that in a conference. Like you almost feel like Jesus came to sit and put hand on your shoulder, like that thing, Pastor Shala said, is you. It's you they're talking to. It's not for Jennifer. No, don't it's for you. That's how I felt. So I was sitting there and I was reading about how Samuel went to anoint David. You know, and then when he got there, he asked about all the brothers and they brought them all out. And God said, I don't, I don't look the way you look. I look at the heart. And I think that that line now, thinking back, was so important, but I didn't notice at the time. Because I had certain things in my head. And I want to free some people right now. I'm about to go into a deliverance service right now. There are things in your head that are keeping you from seeing the right person for you. Because there are certain things. He must be told. He must be dark. He must be handsome. What if he's not tall? What if he's not dark? What if you are the one that will feed him and make him handsome? So I had certain things in my head. I told God I don't want to marry a pastor, lay minister, anything in that vicinity. Even if he carries water for the man of God, I don't want. Because one day, the man of God may not be around. And then they would just tell him to just stand here. We are coming. And many have built great ministries from stand here. We are coming. So I told God I don't want that. I told God I don't want to marry an Igbo man. I was very intentional. I didn't want to marry an Igbo man. I felt they were very arrogant. If an Igbo man is having a conversation in a room, we're all in that conversation. Hello? Sir, can you step outside? And just be a little considerate? So (laughs) I had certain things in my head. I didn't want an Igbo man. I didn't want a man that was fair in complexion. We all want tall, dark, handsome. I didn't want a man that was hairy. I'm very hairy. <laughs> Yesterday, my husband and I were looking at my son. We, he moved his shirt. I was just looking at him. I said, this is now why I thought son don't want my hair. He was in everywhere. <laughs> this boy is six years old. He's already having beard. What's going on? <laughs> so I had all of those things in my head. And so God said to me, he said, I don't look the way you look. But I didn't understand it at the time. So I kept on reading, and they said, is there no other one? And they said, there remaineth one. He's the youngest, and is taking care of the sheep. He says, "I rise anointing for he's the one. That same thing that happened, like a marker just came and marked that path. And I said, what's going on? And the only said, pay attention. He said, what position is Kingsley in his family? I said, he's the youngest. He said, what do pastors do? I said, they take care of the sheep. He said, "Arise, anoint anointing for he's the one. See, he said, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you will never know on your own. Things you will never. God can be that explicit with you. It can be so explicit with you. Yesterday, I don't know how many people were on watching me live yesterday. While I was praying, because yeah, there's been just so, so much craziness in recent times with politics and everything. And everybody has been afraid. And so yesterday I was just somehow for some reason I was reading Psalm 46 and normally I would read it in other translations because I always read the message bible so these days I'm trying to stretch my body a bit and you know try other versions for some reason I read that scripture 46 verse 10 I think I read it in message translation and he said come out of the yes thank you he said step out of the traffic take a long loving look at me your high god above politics above everything Do you know this scripture? If you read the scripture in another version, you won't believe which scripture this is. This is be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. This is the scripture. But because, look at it there. Because I was thinking, I'm trying to show you that it's not just in marriage that God speaks to me like that. I can show you with children. I don't have time. That's not what I came here for today. I'm trying to tell you that you can read all the books. You can attend all the seminars. But if you really want to get it right, you must connect with God. It's the God factor that is the secret that makes a kingdom marriage work. That's the first step. God, who should I marry? Because we don't marry just for love. We marry for God, for kingdom, and for duty. So God, who should I marry? And God made it very clear. It was after that time that Pastor okay but I had issues because I did not want to marry pastor. Pastor, is okay, say pastor. I don't want to marry Ibo man. He's an Ibo man. I don't do village. I'm a very city girl, huh? If you carry me go village, I go disgrace you. We follow your hand very well. I don't do villages. I'm very so. I Ibu people. That you see that Christmas, eh? I don't know what they used to tie them in their village. That when it's Christmas, they must reel them in. So I just said, I'm not doing this with anybody. let me tell you, I don't care what you say you can do or what you cannot do. If you don't live a a life that is yielded to the Holy Spirit, you can't succeed in marriage. You can't succeed in marriage. So the first step is to ask God, what, who should I marry? Who do you want me to marry? And then the second thing is this, John 2. Let me quickly take you there. John chapter 2 very convenient. In fact, let me know, let me know everybody let me just every one of us know the story. How Jesus went to a wedding. Jesus was invited to that wedding. And that's I, I always tell people that's the first thing you must do. If you want to have a good marriage, Jesus must be invited into that home. You can't do it without him. I'm telling you. I know that some of you came to hear five steps to something steps step, seven steps. Let me tell you, without Jesus it doesn't work. And I know some people will give you examples. Eh, what about these people? They are unbelievers and their marriage is working. You don't know if a marriage is working until we get to the end. Ten years does not determine if a marriage is working. And some people, you think that their marriage is working. In their homes, what's going on? I'm not talking social media marriage. I want you to have a marriage where you are excited about going home. You know that this person is my destiny partner. We are blessed to do life and ministry together. Our ministry is not just that we're preaching here. Listen, you may never stand in front of this pulpit, but I tell people every time, your pulpit is anywhere you get to pull people out of a pit. It's your opportunity. If it's your office, use it as your pulpit. If it's your marriage, use it as your pulpit. So these people invited Jesus to their wedding. They remembered, thank God. They didn't just say, we are doing wedding planning, we are doing rice, we are doing... They remembered to invite Jesus. And Jesus came there, and he was with his mother. And after a while, the wine ran out. And listen, I don't care who you marry at some point in your life, the wine will run out. You will move from that emotional love at some point to, wanting, to having to use intentional love. Because the emotional love is what starts off relationships and is, is necessary, very necessary. But there are days you, when you get married, you, you will just be awake in the middle of night because all of a sudden you realize that your, your partner is snoring. you're like what's all this rubbish why am I here oh
1: you are like me
0: you enter into his room after you get married for the first time you see books and load everywhere. and you're like Jesus Christ (laughs) Lord this is a bit too much to ask me at some point the person will be annoying but remember that you are also annoying you know how people who are organized we like to complain about people who are scattered well newsflash for those who are scattered, those of us who are organized, annoying too. While you are arranging what we kept, do we tell you to us? Because a lot of the, I sit in counseling rooms every day. I'm telling you, I sit in counseling rooms and half the time I'm saying to my husband, if people would just be Christians, I mean really Christians, we will not have marriage problems If people would just obey the word. Because everything God asks you to do as a Christian is what He expects you to do in marriage. And if you are doing it as a Christian every day to people who you don't even care about, it should be easy to do it to the person you have pledged your life to. If He says, forgive somebody that it does not concern, how much more the person that you have chosen to live your life with? If He says, be patient, be kind. Because it's easy to say, I love. You tell God, ah, if you know the love inside me. if you just give me a man, give me a son. Ah, give me your son, God, when I'm done with him. It's a lie. It's a lie. I'm telling you, marriage will test your patience, marriage will test your discipline. Do you know what marriage is? Marriage is like. Hmm, let me use this example. But well, you know, I'm I'm really scared of this generation because if I say apples are good, the next thing they say is. So Pastor said that oranges are not good. That's not what I'm saying. But listen to this example. It's like somebody telling you to pick one TV channel that you will watch for the rest of your life. That's what marriage is. You don't get to flip channels. You don't get to change channels. You know that without maturity, you will make a very wrong choice. Because if you decide to make that choice as a five-year-old, which channel will you pick? You will choose one cartoon channel that they are doing Coco Melon, doing all this thing. But you know that if you pick it at five, at fifty, you will want to know what's going on on CNN. At forty-five, you want to know what's happening in in other countries. If you pick it as a teenager, what are you going to pick? (laughs) (laughs) All those things, all music channels. So it's not that I know that I'm old, because as I'm asking this question now, even I don't have the answer. I don't know what this channel they are calling. maturity will be one major factor that you will need. So Jesus was at this wedding. I keep moving away from it. And then they said the wine was over. And then the mother said to him, there's no more wine. And he said, what has your concern got anything to do with me? My time has not come. And then, Mary being Mary. See, you must have people that give you good counsel. You must have people that give you good counsel. Especially when you are in a relationship. Single people, I need to say this to you. When you are in a relationship, it's not the time to run off on your own. You may be in love, but Pastor Shala is not in love. Reverend K is not in love. So the guy is telling you sweet nothings. It's you that the sweet nothings can make sense to. The rest of us is not making sense to us. You must must have counsel. Bible says in the multitude of counsel there's safety. You must get counsel. And so Mary told them, wine has finished. Good. He said, but you see this man, whatever he tells you to do, do it and that's the biggest secret of marriage whatever Jesus tells you to do do it whatever Jesus tells you to do I'm telling you do it and Jesus told these people something and that's really where I want to end my message today Jesus said to them there are six water pots here he said fill it with water fill it up to the brim he says and when it's full then draw from it If you read that scripture and just walk away, you have missed a gold mine. A gold mine. Jesus said there are six water pots. And the Holy Spirit said to me, look at that scripture again. I say yes. He said look at it again. And the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said, there are seven days in a week. But do you know that of those seven days, one day we are sure that you will hear the word. One day of that seven days, somebody will put water in your water pot. What does water represent? It represents the word. So what he was saying was, fill every day with the word of God. So that when your partner is annoying you, you can draw from it. If you don't fill it, you can't draw from it. And the only way, see, it's at that time when your partner is annoying you, that you go to the water pot and you will draw out that a soft answer turns away rot. I'm telling you, if you do not fill up your water pot on Sunday, that's why they assist. On Sunday, Pastor Shah will fill it for you. As you come here and I will fill, We will even charge your bill to say, Yes, when I get home, I'm going to know I'm patient, I'm kind, hallelujah. Car park. It's not, you won't get home. Car park. They will say, Please, you have to move. Is that why you're talking to me? And he, you have not even gone home. The water is empty. So tomorrow morning, what do you do? You fill it all. You your life with the Word of God. Without the Word of God, your marriage cannot work. I don't care what they tell you. Love language, thank you. I make counsel, tell you on these things. But at the end of the day, if you do not allow the Spirit of God to take over, you suffer in marriage. Ah, you suffer in marriage. And see, one of the things God tries to do in marriage, or what He tried to do with marriage, is something that we've missed. And I hope this generation, you guys, will get it marriage was created to be a reflection of our relationship with God so what God expected is that you will encounter Christ you will encounter his love, his patience his security, his kindness, his mercy his forgiveness you will encounter a God who wants to make you better do you know that no matter what you do God never leaves you no matter what he's with you all the time he loves you and says that thing you are encountering, God wants you to take it and put it on another human being. That's what God had in mind for marriage. That's the covenant relationship he was talking about. Where Apostle Paul would say, oh, I'm speaking about marriage, but I'm also speaking about our relationship with God and the church. That thing you are encountering with Christ, he says, carry it. That mercy that you have received, give mercy to your spouse. That forgiveness you have received, give forgiveness to your spouse. That kindness that he's showing you daily, that he's blessing you, even when you know you don't deserve it. You know, human beings are so funny. When we're in worship, I love you, thank you, Jesus. You love me even when I don't deserve it. Then he just say That same thing I've done for you, go and do it to somebody else. You get home and say, I'm tired. I cannot take it anymore. I'm done. What are you done from? What are you done from? I don't even want to say it, but I think it's coming up in me. What are you done? Who do any animal for fire? they done? How are you done? People have no encounter. And this generation, everything is about my mental health. I I have to protect my mental health, man. As if you are the only ones that have mental health. The stress you gave your parents when they were raising you, they don't have mental health. The stress you are giving them in the office, they don't have mental health. Do you know what it means to employ people and not be able to rely on them? That's what this generation has become. And you see, let me tell you, if you're not careful, you will carry it into marriage. That's why the divorce rate has gone up. I will sit down in counseling. I told my husband, I say, see, this counseling thing, I think I will resign very soon because human beings, they don't really they didn't deal. Human beings. Because and my be, I said we have to trade markets. But when human beings start to hum. I will sit in counseling, you know, oh God. I will sit in counseling. I sat in counseling with a couple for eight hours. Do you know what it means to give eight hours of my life? My children will come down and say, up, mommy's in, in a meeting. Eight hours of my life to sit down with these people, to tell them this is what the Bible says. And they are both, don't tell anybody, they are both pastors who, If you don't live a yielded life, you can't can't enjoy marriage. The biggest enemy of marriage, if you don't write anything down, write it down. The biggest enemy of marriage is selfishness. Selfishness. Every time people sit in counseling, what I hear them say is, he doesn't do this for me. She doesn't do that for me. I don't like the way he talks to me. I don't like how he treats my family. I don't want... And sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, what do you... Do for him Why do you feel like this marriage revolves around you What if he never changes You say I can't, I can't What do you mean you can't This thing you are seeing now, was it a surprise This thing was there before you got married And you said you think you can handle it Then you get to the marriage And you are taking your vows And you will not even take the one they gave you, write your own I saw the moon and the stars It's something, my children in your eyes You are my breath I'm my death. You are my life. I'm my life. You'll be talking nonsense. And I'm just standing there. <laughs> just say, I didn't wait to now. I'm waiting. And you finish saying all these things. Then you get home. That he did not carry those bin. Does he want me to do everything? I cooked. Doesn't he get to clean? Let me tell you the truth. Marriage is about going in to save another person. You made the choice to serve someone else. If your wife decides never to cook for you, sir, I'm sorry, but you are to be like Christ and you are to love her until she changes. But if she never changes, guess what? Jesus is still on your matter too. You haven't changed. Marriage will change your Christian life. And me, I encourage people to get married. Matthew, Matthew. God, I don't want to say Matthew 19. <laughs> Matthew 19. Let me see if I can read a few scriptures. Honestly, oh, Holy Spirit. I think 11, Matthew 11, Matthew 19, 11. I think. Wow. Can I? Can you make that thing black? Because I can barely see it. Okay. Thank you. Matthew 19.11 somebody, somebody asked me a while back Is it composite for everybody to get married? No, it's not It's not In fact, I encourage you to stay single if you know you can't do marriage right Because that's the problem we have today We have too many people messing up marriage Too many He says, but Jesus said Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life It requires a certain aptitude and grace Marriage is not for everyone I'm not the one who said it. Give me verse 12. He says marriage is not for everyone. He says some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked. Or accepted. He says some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons and that's fine. He says but if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage. Do it. Marriage will stretch your character will stretch your character. God expects that in that home where you are, you practice the actual Christianity. Christianity is not just being able to pray 17 hours in tongues, yet you can't say I'm sorry. Oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, but your wife is sick, sir. She's sick, sir. I don't like this in my study time. Nobody disturbs my study time. What are you studying? The one you have studied, have you practiced it? Your children are there trying to talk to you, trying to get your attention. These are the issues. Everyone is trying to act like a Christian, but we don't want to be Christians. A woman called me a few months ago that I should please help her with her marriage. So I said, what's the problem? She said she and her husband don't live in the same place, so they have different time zones. And her husband always calls her in the morning. When she's doing, there's one general prayer that they do, that she does the time that her husband calls her. And that she has told him before, she stopped stop calling her then because that's when she wants to pray. And so I said, why is your husband calling you? She said, I don't know, I think he wants to pray with me. I said, your husband wants to pray with you. You don't want that level of intimacy, but you want to pray with seventy thousand other people, twenty. I don't know how many they are. Where nobody there knows you, nobody there knows your personal need. And the Bible says that if two shall agree, as touching anything, these two we're talking about is you and your husband, the highest level of agreement. And yet you choose to abandon that, and you are asking me for counsel for what exactly? You see, these are the challenges. People want to hear; they have itchy ears. You want to hear what makes you happy. You don't want to hear what God is saying you should do. There are things we consider spirituality that are not. I'm telling you, they are not. You say you are praying. You are, according to you, you are praying twenty four hours. I'm not dragging you twenty four hours, but there's no kindness in you, no tenderness. No, So you go into the place of prayer And come out even worse And you say that you are praying You say you are spiritual Spirituality means nothing If it doesn't make you more like Christ It must change your nature It must make you more like Jesus It must make people want to know What you are doing When they brought that wine And this is how I know that marriage Is one of the greatest evangelism tools When they brought that wine and took it to the head of the the guest at the wedding with Jesus, the guy said, you have to tell me what you are doing differently. You see, that was an opportunity for them to say, oh, Jesus was at our wedding. So if you want wine, be inviting Jesus. That was an opportunity for evangelism. When that woman met Jesus at the well, that same woman had been with five men, no six, because she was with a sixth. And every single one of them was using her Sleeping with her, making her go and fetch water. Not one of them knew that that woman was a great evangelist. She won an entire city. She went back to the city and said, Come and see somebody who has told me everything. Just one hour or less with the right person changed her life. And you are telling me you can marry just anybody? Are you kidding me? Do you know what plans God has for you? Let me read to you Psalm 127. That's where I want to round up. Because I told you, marriage is not just for you. We don't marry for love. We marry for what? For God, for kingdom, and for duty. Let me show you your duty. Malachi 2.14 says, I, please help me bring up that 127. Thank you. Malachi 2.14 tells us about the fact that what God wants in marriage is godly seed. God is happy that two of you are in love. You're having loads of sex. You're kissing each other. You're going on vacations. You're going to the Maldives. God likes that don't get me wrong, but it doesn't benefit him in any way the only thing, the message translation tells us that what God wants out of marriage is godly seed not well behaved children brethren because that's what we do these days we pick the best schools but you are not considerate about the children's church where your children should be not well behaved children not excuse me, thank you no Children that are firebrands on fire for God. That's the only way. That's the only way we can make sure that the church does not go extinct. And I tell people, I examine your children, learn scripture. They say, ah, Pastor M, you don't understand. They are too young. Too young. If your child can flip your phone and remember password, that child can at least learn Romans 8-1. Ah, Pastor M, King James, they don't understand. There are many versions. You see all those excuses don't hold water anymore. And we're here making noise. The people on the other side, they give birth to their children from birth. They are learning. (laughs) Oh, God. we cannot talk because if I talk now, it's time to talk. Psalm 127, thank you. It says, behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It says, like arrows in the hand of the warrior, so are the children of one's youth. He says, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gates. See, it's not you that will face your enemies. It's your children. So you better be intentional about raising them. Your children must grow up knowing God. That was the thing that made Abraham stand out. He said, I know my friend Abraham. This was God talking. He said, I know him. He will command his children in my ways. Not he We beg them to please come to church. He will command them. I know this generation, they don't talk to them. If you talk to them, they're angry. Talk to them, their mental health. That's why. Because nobody's talking to them. That's why this You see, the Bible says foolishness abounds in the heart of a child. Hmm. You know, we are, we are told we cannot talk to children. You tell them, you can't tell children no. That's the new... Ah, I'm in, I'm in education, so I'm hearing all these things now. You can't tell children no. It affects their self-esteem. Who gave you self-esteem? I gave you life, I will take it. I will take the life and the esteem. What's what, what esteem? You can't say, the other day I was, I, 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 I don't know my children were quarreling and, and I was shouting from where I was. What is wrong with you people? Can't you get along? And my daughter came and said, Mommy, you are shouting. I said, because you are making me shout. If you don't do what I shall, shout, I will not shout. She just shook her head and laughed. But that's the truth. We have children who are touchy. They shouted at me, I didn't die they beat me, I didn't die now you can't talk to a child oh don't talk to them like that, it's self esteem don't talk to them, it's something Don't. You see? see when I was growing up your mother does not need to be in the room an auntie that is passing will suffer you, you will uh, arrange now you can't and even parents somebody is telling you something, let's stop being touchy about our children it takes a village to raise a child they will tell you something, you say See, the way she even told me about my child. Me, I'm also looking at her child. See, it's the kingdom we represent. We're raising kingdom citizens. And the people that were raising the outside, thats the people that are supposed to answer the enemy at the gate, the enemy is training their own children. They're training their own children. If you don't train your children to fear God and to know God, they will go to secondary school and they will jam these people. And God forbid they bring on one, one person and tell you, Mommy, but I love him. Love what? You can't love an unbeliever. You can't even be attracted. You can't. What relationship has light with darkness? There's some things you will inculcate in your children. By the time you are done with them. ah, They'll be talking, Robbie, you're saying you can't bring it near me. It's your children that will be saying it outside to unbelievers. You can't tell me that. Because now they're trying to make it seem as if... I mean... The craziest thing—I don't even—I didn't even know because I'm usually not on social media. I just come on at three and go away because social media is—it's is, 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 mm, too much. So I just got on and I saw there was this whole fight. First of all, I noticed everybody was putting on Jesus, and I was like, "Oh, this is so beautiful." Yeah, I was even really happy because anything for my Jesus used to make my belly sweet. So I was even really happy. All of a sudden, I realized that—sorry—I'll I'll soon be out of here. All of a sudden, I realized that people were fighting. That's it. Uh, eh, 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 it's not by putting Jesus. Go and get PVC. I say, what is it concerning Jesus and PVC? What's the correlation? How can you not even have PVC if you are over 18? That's a different conversation. But for you to make it seem as if Jesus is the issue, now we have prayed enough, let me tell you, until Jesus returns, we have not prayed enough. We have not even begun to pray. Until everywhere we go, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the land. We have not begun. And we start from five-year-olds. We start from three-year-olds. If they can't read the Bible, you read it to them. You carry your baby and you are speaking over them. You are praying in tongues over them. You will serve the Lord. You will hate iniquity. You will love righteousness. Others may, but you cannot. You are on fire for God. You will preach this gospel. That's what you do. That's what you do. You don't go to social media and make noise with them. Let them make noise. We'll raise our children. Those are the ones that will answer the enemy at the gate. Those are the ones that will set on fire. Don't make noise with them. Because everybody is doing it. You train your children everybody's doing it. Others may you cannot. You cannot. You are different. You are set apart. You are unique. You are called to a higher thing. You are holy. You touch no unclean thing. Come out of them and be separate. That's what we do. God wants you to get married. but he doesn't want you to just marry just for love. Love is good. Love is good. But let me tell you, pleasing God is better that's what he wants from your marriage, godly seed. Make up your mind today. But I'm not just going to do love every way, the the way everybody's doing it. I'm doing it with somebody who understands that we need our quivers to be full of sharp shooting arrows. Arrows that when we send them out, they will know that these ones have been with God. I've come here today to challenge you. Don't just do relationship because everybody's doing it. Don't just talk relationship while everybody's talking. Let's do relationship. No. We're intentional. We're intentional. Every day I thank God I listen to God. I'm preaching here. Pascal is preaching somewhere. Sometimes we we'll go together, double dose. Do you know what it means to be on fire for God together? That's what God wants. And He can do that with every single one of you in this room. It's not about your sexual feelings. It's not about even your emotional feelings. It's about who God chooses for you. If you forget anything I've said today, remember that as kingdom citizens, we don't just marry for love. We marry for. We marry for. And we marry for. God bless you.